Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. It's Phil and John today talking about uh, fixing up furniture projects and restoring finishes, a couple of project updates, and we'll talk a little bit about the new season of the Woodsmith Shop. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin. It's the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. Speaking of which, I got an email from Shaper just the other day mm. about a free project plan that they had that looked kind of cool. Oh yeah. I, saw that. A, I got that. I got that too. It had a very shop notes vibe to it. Yeah. Does it have to be made with a shaper or can I just make it with my own handheld router? I think like you could just, probably do it that way. Just, just, just freehand it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll try it. I'll let yeah. you know how that goes. <laughs> what could, what could go wrong? Yeah. You know, so. Might take you a little bit longer, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, my dad visited and we talked about this already. He had a barrel that we turned into a table by adding a top to it. And then this past week, uh, my in-laws came for a visit and they had stopped through on some other see some other relatives and friends up in Minnesota. And in the course of that visit, picked up a, a tall case clock that stood in my wife's grandmother's house for many years. Mm -hmm. And they were bringing it back to having their place. So, which was kind of cool. They have a you know family heirloom or memento there. Uh, however, in its previous state, it had been in the stored in a garage for some undetermined period of time. And at one point somebody had spilled lamp oil nearby and had splashed onto the base of the clock. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the base had these large, kind of like white, patchy blotches on it. Kind of like the clock version of leprosy. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to tell us how to get whale blubber off of a shellac finish. <laughs> this is a common problem right, in today's, right. today's world. Yeah, because uh. <laughs> I had to stop and I think I don't even know what lamp oil is yeah is it what is it is it like kerosene or like uh it's similar to kerosene yeah they call it paraffin oil okay which i always think of like canning wax you know right right paraffin wax which hmm. paraffin wax and oil don't really seem similar to me mm -hmm. and then i was like is this just mineral oil then but no it's not right. that either hmm. um I mean, both are made from petroleum. Used to be whale oil, so you are correct there. Yep. Now it's synthetic whale oil. Yeah. Yep. Although most of the synthetic whales have been hunted to extinction, right. so. 
Interesting. Uh, so being kerosene, it's got kind of a solvent effect to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the finish, I don't know exactly what the finish was on there. Uh, it appeared that the most of the case parts of the clock were made out of uh, cherry veneered plywood. And the plies were pretty thick. It looked like, I know the piece was made in the 60s okay. and purchased in the 1960s. Or the middle 1900s, as the kids would call it now. <laughs> um, and the overall, it was in decent shape. So I thought, you know, the first thing to do is to uh, just kind of clean it. So I had some turpentine out in the shop and put it on a cloth and just wanted to wipe it down just to give it a good cleaning. In applying the turpentine the blotches disappeared. Oh, nice. Which gave me hope in the sense that, you know, just like we would say, you know, wipe down a project with an unfinished project with mineral spirits or turpentine, and that'll give you the look of what it would look like with an oil finish on it. Mm-hmm. So, so I did that and then thought maybe that that would just do it, but it didn't. Once the turpentine evaporated out of there, the blotches came back. So the next day I uh, had some uh, gel varnish from Old Masters that I brought home, oil-based, and started applying that. But I wanted to make sure that I would have a decent surface because the rest of the finish on there had kind of a cracked, that crazed kind of look to it. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I used some 600 grit sandpaper, folded that up and applied the gel varnish with the sandpaper so that I was kind of abrading the surface and then kind of concentrated where the, uh, where the blotches were so that I could, you know, sand through the damaged finish. Cause essentially what the white was, was a damaged film finish. So did that and, you know, you kind of, and then using 600 grit kind of smoothed out the remaining part of the, the kind of cracked finish. You could still see the crazing when it was done, but once I had that coat applied, you know, the next day came back and it was, it was in significantly better shape. Was it brand new? No, it wasn't, but that's not really what I was going for. So... Once I had that done and it was looking in much better shape, like you could still see where the blotching had occurred, but I didn't really want to go too severe on it because otherwise then it's just like sand it down to bare wood and start over. And that's just not, in my opinion, wasn't a good thing to try. Yeah, that opens a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So. So after that, you know, all the damage was pretty much down at the base. The rest of it, uh, my father-in-law and I used a tinted wax and applied a good coat of wax to the whole thing. Uh, I rubbed that in with steel wool, again, to kind of abrade the surface. And Mm -hmm. so I was applying the steel wool. And then as it was flashing off, he was kind of following along behind me, buffing it out. And uh, I'll put the after photos that we took of it. 
sadly we did not take a before photo of of the project but it was amazing how just a little tlc with some wax and i find like a tinted wax this was the color was light brown it's a very technical um really shines up a piece yeah i my hardest or most difficult i don't know part of the projects is always finishing so when it comes to refinishing that's like exponentially more mind-boggling for me because it's like like how you were kind of describing it it's like there's some detective work of <laughs> like what happened how old is this project what what is the finish on it? if i don't know the finish can i guess like maybe from the era of you know what they would have used and then some trial and error yeah. you know like what they what they say with carpet cleaners is try it out or like furniture cleaners is try it out on an unseen area first see what happens you know so you're trying yeah. to, you know different solvents and finishes and stuff and then kind of like you said it's like can i get away with not sanding into the stain or the natural aging because even like something that's natural finish you know maple or it'll yellow over time right so if you sand into it and get into fresh wood or cherry you know darkens over time then you're you know do you end up sanding the whole thing and just becomes you know a bigger bigger job than what you were you know planning for so yeah it's kind of like an issue of you know like managed expectations too mm -hmm. because you know i'm guessing that that piece that clock had a lacquer a sprayed lacquer or a sprayed shellac finish on it because mm -hmm. it was commercially made um not super high quality but not terrible either like it was well built you know had a mechanical movement and uh as my father-in-law and I were kind of shifting positions on it, all of a sudden it started chiming and the bells are in, sounded great. And mm -hmm. so it was one of those things where it's like, you know, this is an old piece and we're going to acknowledge the fact that it's an old piece and it's just going to be, uh, we're not trying to make it look brand new or right factory fresh it's more like just dressed up for sunday mm -hmm. yeah but yeah you're right and i would say that in the past i've been pretty same way pretty intimidated by the fact of you know like what am i gonna do here because it's because you don't want to mess it up like it's already something right i don't want to make it worse yeah so, I mean, it did help knowing what the what the damage was caused by. I think that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. But then you're right. Then you have to go through the steps of, like, how severe is the damage? Is it just to the finish? Is it down through the wood? And then what do you do? Because the, the clock, the base of the clock had a couple of other little dents and dings in it. And, and those I just left. Mm -hmm. The wax, using a tinted wax, I think is a big help there. I remember reading an article somewhere of, you know, kind of starting, you know, not trying to solve the problem all at once, but just kind of working up to what the solution is, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, start with a cleaning. And they suggested for a cleaning, like, 
pretty soapy, sudsy water with just like Dawn, you know, so that it's, mm -hmm. you're just kind of cleaning off accumulated life gunk. And then as you need to step up to, <clears throat> you know, other solvents, whether it's mineral spirits or denatured alcohol or something like that. Hmm. Just increasingly more caustic. Right. Just yeah. all the way up to lacquer thinner or lacquer, you know. Yeah. Something and that'll melt the whole thing. Yeah. And I did not want to go that route because I right. knew that that was going to go, that was going to be trouble. Right. Because I know like, you know, Tempertine or Mineral Spirits is not going to bother shellac or lacquer. But... Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's also fun to be able to apply some of the woodworking knowledge that I've accumulated here for a while to mm -hmm. help out some other people. I had fixed up a dresser for them several years ago. They had found it on Craigslist or something like that. And it wasn't a terrible dresser, but I, you know, re-glued some drawer joinery and put some patches in for like the drawer glides because it had just kind of worn down into grooves and glued a couple of sections and then again, gave it a coat of paste wax and it's going to sound kind of repetitive, but a nice tinted paste wax will cover a multitude of ills yep. and really make something look better. Yeah, it's a good refresher. Yeah. And better than, you know, kind of your commercial furniture, polishy, dusty spray products that are out there. I feel like mm -hmm. a paste wax lasts longer and looks better over yeah. time. So, yeah, that's one of the perks of working here and working with uh, Tight Bond and Old Masters is we have a plethora of glues you know, glue products that we have for this. And then just about every stain color and finish. So it's like <laughs> a lot of times when you're trying to fix stuff up or, you know, stain match, you're like buying all the little cans and mixing them and you can yeah. invest quite a bit just trying to figure out a color. So oh, yeah. you know, having every, everything in stock here just to, to try out really goes a long way and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. So have you had to, have you done any furniture repair or finish restoration? I, like I said, I, finishing is not my favorite thing. So I try to avoid, um, you know, repairing stuff when I can. Um, I would rather just rebuild the whole thing than try to refinish <laughs> it. It's probably way more work, but it's like, just paint it, just paint over it. Right. So, yeah. But spray paint. Have you tried spray paint? Yeah. But no, I've had like stuff at, in the at home where the kids are, you know, banging stuff up or denting the the wood floor. So it's you know, getting the the wax sticks out and yep. figuring different things. And it's it's amazing what you know a wax stick can do to fix little dents and dings and hide stuff and that kind of thing. So yeah, but. I will say the uh, – I've seen some people who are very skilled at f finish restoration, and it is definitely, to a certain level, a dark art to me mm -hmm. in how they're able to 
have all these little concoctions of various potions and whatever that will repair dents and dings and color differences and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I have uh, one uh, kind of uh, finish problem that I have not yet fixed because I haven't, you know, I tried the, you know, mild solvents and cleaning and surface stuff, but it was, um, you know, those jelly, uh, like window decals, like you can stick on windows, like uh, Halloween, Christmas or whatever. The kids had some of those and they were on our bedroom mirror and they apparently took them off and stuck it at the, on our wood, uh, footboard. And it sat there for a while. Now I have like a, an orange pumpkin stain. <laughs> Apparently like the color leaks through into the finish. So I still have to figure that out. And it's like, I don't want to get to the point where I have to sand all the way through to get it out, but I've yeah. tried the mild things. So I don't know if anybody else out there has had that problem and has any suggestions, let me know. But needless to say, we do not have any more gel window stickers in our house any longer mm-hmm. so they've mm-hmm. been banned yep uh when my kids were younger we went to visit my in-laws and they were in a they were renting a condo for a while and the kids had um gotten from one of their aunts and uncles there was like a little can of plasticky goop called flarp mm-hmm. where if you push your fingers in it in a different ways it makes it sound like you're Flarping. breaking wind yeah. yeah and uh they had taken that out and were kind of playing around with it like silly putty and throwing it around and had thrown it up and it stuck to the ceiling um for a little while until they were able to very silently peel it off however in a similar way, it had left kind of a kind of a stain in the ceiling in one of the bedrooms. So, yep. You know, I didn't think of that. I could try putting silly putty down on that stained spot, and maybe that'll pull the draw it out. Yeah, you could. I mean, it seems to work on other things. So, yeah. Who knows? Or Play-Doh. You know, mm-hmm. bring the kid kid toys into this and. <laughs> See what I can do. I mean, it might be a plastic-based thing, so I would think. I mean, have you tried mineral spirits or something? Or uh, I can't remember. Probably yeah. not. I could try that next, and yeah. But so, just need to do a little bit more detective work. Yep. I feel like whenever I do internet research, the solution is always something that's a poultice. Mm-hmm. Mix up a little poultice of blah blah blah. <laughs> Rub some toothpaste on it. Right. Yeah. So still working on my table for my sister. Mm -hmm. And I was, we have a magazine issue due out. And in between the crazy of reading proof pages and stuff like that, sometimes Mm -hmm. for the third or fourth time, I stepped away to work on that a little. And yeah, I have to say I was a little intimidated by the joinery that I selected for the base of the table called a hay rake stretcher. So you have like Mm -hmm. a singular central stretcher, then two arms that go off at 45 degrees that connect to the legs. And then 
spanning between the two arms and the stretcher is this other brace, I'm calling it, that has a mortise and tendon to join to the central stretcher and then mortise and tendon to join to the outer arms. And I got the central stretcher and the arms, that joinery, more or less taken care of. And I was kind of surprised as I was putting it together, like, oh, this isn't as challenging as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you look at it, it's like a combination of like compound angles and curves. And yeah, but you seem to have broken it down into simpler steps. Yeah. You know, so. I think the hardest part was setting up to cut tenons on the end of pieces that have a 45 degree cut on them. Because mm -hmm. one tenon cheek is run, you know, with like the point of the workpiece going into the blade. And then you have to rotate the miter gauge to the opposite side, opposite 45 degrees to cut the, the other side. You know, cause on a normal tenon, you just kind of like make a pass, flip it around, make another pass, and then you can test fit. Well, mm -hmm. so what I ended up doing, uh, and this is a pro tip for everybody, um, is I found a second miter gauge laying around here. Mm -hmm. So I set up one at 145 degrees and just cranked it down, locked it in and then had the other one set up at the opposite 45. So then basically all I had to do was make a pass with one miter gauge, pull that out, flip the piece over, get the other miter gauge in, and then I wasn't flipping back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I know that totally sounds like a first world problem of having two miter gauges, but to be honest, there are enough crappy miter gauges out there that you can have a second one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've gone even a step further on some joinery where it's like different setups. It's like I've gone to a different table saw. So it's like having, <laughs> if you can have two table saws, it makes like making lip lock drawer joinery oh, way yes. easier. You know, <laughs> just get the second table saw. Right. You know, yep. there's enough table saws out there. You can have two. Yeah. So. Which we've talked about. I mean, in the land, uh, and it's in the land of big shops or if you have the space for it, or if that's the way you roll, like it is really nice in our shop to have a regular table saw set up for, you know, ripping and cross cutting mm -hmm. and another table saw that has a data blade in it. Oh yeah. I mean, even switching from different widths of dado stacks, isn't that big of a deal compared to, you know, putting on a whole new data stack or swapping out blades and setups and right. Cause yeah, you're right. You just have a sacrificial fence and the data blade set up on one and rip blade on the other one. And all of a sudden you're doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Especially with the saw stop, just cause you have to change out the, the cartridge for data, right. data blades it takes a different cartridge. So, I mean, it doesn't take that much longer, but any little bit of, you know, cheating helps save right. time. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Or maybe you set up a router table too, that acts like a dado blade. Yes. You know, you could do that. Mm -hmm. So you're stepping back and forth without having to do a lot of 
pit stops and changes on blades. So, sure. yep. speaking of routers, as it relates to my table project, there are some things that you think of that you don't really think about until you're using them, which kind of makes sense because otherwise we'd be thinking about everything all the time. But um, in shaping the legs, because those that table has kind of like a mid-century look to it. So the legs that I have are bent, kind of like a K shape. And I used a template to shape them or create that shape mm -hmm. and then flush trimmed it. And I have one of those, it's a Freud flush trim bit with the bearing on the top and the bottom. And so the cutting diameter is like seven eighths of an inch. And I think I get, there's like an inch and a half or two inches of cutting length on it. And that's a delightful bit to use because it's got enough mass that it doesn't really bog down because the legs that I have were inch and three eighths thick. So that's, and I tried to cut as close to the line as possible on the bandsaw. So there wasn't a ton of material and it's walnut, but still it was nice having that. Yeah. And then the other thing um, is because of the shape of the legs, like the grain direction is kind of wonky on that. Mm -hmm. So on the first leg, as I was going to make a flush trim pass, I was going like into the direction of the grain with the cutting action of the bit. And all of a sudden the bit just kind of went doink. <laughs> and so I had to take a couple of minutes to collect myself and then mm -hmm. thought what I need to do is flip my piece over. So the template was down and then change which bearing I was using on that bit. Mm -hmm. And then the cut was super easy. Yep. Solves all your problems. It does actually. And I was, and then I ended up drawing on the template like which which way I needed to, you know, run the piece and then which way the template was facing. So I have like sections of it where it just says down so that the template is face down or up and then which mm -hmm. direction to move the workpiece through. And, and there's only four legs, so it wasn't that big of a deal, but just doing that little bit was enough to speed up the process and kind of take some of the second guessing out of it special shout out to shaper tools they make that shaper origin the handheld cnc that lets you do all kinds of cool stuff with your woodworking whether it's joinery and construction or hardware installation or inlay and marquetry all that kind of stuff you can check out their site shapertools.com to learn more so the other thing that i wanted to talk about today was season 16 of the TV show mm. is starting to hit around the country in different places because we've gotten comments and questions about different things. So I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about that a little bit. And then you do a bunch of stuff with YouTube and I know that you've put some excerpts of TV shows on the YouTube. Yep. So, and then you were on customer service not that long ago. Oh, yes. So did yep. you have any TV show related ones? Um, I don't think anything came up yet. I was kind of 
right at the beginning of when the season would have started airing different places across the country. So I didn't, not on customer service duty. Okay. The the one thing that I remember is somebody on Facebook's like, hey, can't find your plans or whatever. So we jump on the website and it's like, you're right. They're not up yet. So then it was like, <laughs> all right, let's get them up. People are yep. seeing the show apparently. At least one person is watching. Yeah. Which was funny because I always thought that it was, you know, because we work with Iowa uh, PBS here mm -hmm. to sponsor the show. And it was always my impression that the show started airing in Iowa first because that's who we work with. But turns out that Iowa PBS, as soon as they have their episodes ready, they upload them for a satellite link so that any PBS station or public broadcasting station in the country can start downloading them as soon as they're up there. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a handful of stations that apparently are able to jump to the front of the line and got started airing the show. So you're right. We had, right. I think we had some plans up there, but it was just like we hadn't thrown the lever on it. Right. So we had to release the floodgates. Yeah. So... Yeah, just a reminder to everyone, if you do watch The Woodsmith Shop, is every public broadcasting station across the country picks their own programming and schedule. So there's no, like, national, like, schedule. So a lot of times we'll get uh, customer service questions like, hey, I was watching the show this weekend and such and such and such. And it's like, well, I don't know which show you're watching can you tell yeah. me where you're from? <laughs> what station you're watching? And then you can we can go and look up what show they aired and you know work back from there. But yeah, it's like okay, that could be any show. So yeah, which on the one hand you know it makes sense that each station would do that. On the mm -hmm. other hand, it makes it hard for when we have like a new season that comes out where we're excited for everybody to see it, and there's sort of an expectation. You know, like a new season of Name Any Series comes out and it's available across the country or around the world on a specific day. Mm -hmm. And for us, you know, like some stations are airing season 16. Other stations might be airing season 14 because I think the last three seasons are available or the most recent three seasons are available. So who knows what's right. out there? Yeah. We live in a world where normally you can jump on and stream every single episode of, you know, a new season immediately and people are talking about it and yeah, all sharing in that rather than this like having it piecemeal and one week at a time and so. Yeah, the other thing too is like people are watching these new episodes of the season. It's like we filmed those a year ago and like we've totally <laughs> forgotten. It's like when did we do that? What's going yes. on? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. We're like, that's for this season? I felt right. like we did that so long ago. Yeah, that was like five years ago, but nope. Just a yeah. year ago. Tried to forget, but mm -hmm. it's back. Yep. And this season ended up having kind of a unofficial arts and crafts theme to it. Mm-hmm. Because the season starts with, we did a two-part um, project of making a sideboard. 
which we thought we could do in one episode, but turns out that this project is so simple we needed a second episode. Right. Couldn't pack in all that information. Yeah. Which I think turned out made it a better project. And it was yeah. really cool because we did that one out of Burr Oak that Logan milled, mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. And then later in the season, we do uh, an episode where we did three clocks. And then t uh, one of the clocks Chris did was a mid-century sunburst clock. And then the other two clocks are kind of arts and crafts style, the ones mm -hmm. that Logan and I did, which was kind of fun. Um, episode 10 has the tool cabinet from popular woodworking. Okay. It's called a tool cabinet, but it's really cool. Just a wall cabinet. I yeah. think it's almost better as a wall cabinet than as a tool cabinet. And that has kind of an arts and crafts look to it. And then the big one was episodes eight and nine with the green and green bookcase, which is an impressive piece. Mm-hmm. And the funny part was that we've had that original one that we built for the magazine around for quite a long time. And I've always liked it. It's a great, it's a great piece, but actually building it made it even more amazing. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. Yeah. That one felt like we could have done a whole season of episodes on that project. But somehow <laughs> we packed it into two. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was a fun one. And it worked. It came together. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So we also have an episode where we did three shop made tools. So you can look forward to that one. We did a chessboard, Chris's chessboard design that he came up with, where you actually make the pieces too, the if you want, with a, some turned turned profiles, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a special one with a guest, Brent Hull. Uh, he's a restoration guy down in Austin, Texas. And he came in and we talked about built-ins, um, which was kind of fun. That was, that was cool to have him in town and talk about the types of work that he does on old houses and on new houses that are built in the style of old houses. Got one episode on router jigs. Found two router jigs that I thought were kind of fun to to make and really handy. One for making tenons and then another for uh, miter joints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one was an old... Was that from Shop Notes? The, yeah. The miter trimmer one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty handy. That one I was kind of surprised because I remember when that project first came out and it I didn't quite get it then. Mm -hmm. And then over time, I kind of figured out just how handy it is. Because it's kind of like a shooting board, but instead of using a plane, you use a router. Mm -hmm. So you can clean up miter joints and end up with really smooth, well-fitting connections there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you wouldn't think like it would be a good idea to be routing on the in, like in grain like that, but it. I mean, you're not taking very much off, so it just takes little wispy little shavings and yeah, makes like it's 
you know, a super smooth uh, finish on it. So it's right. nice. And easily adjustable. I think that was another part that was kind of amazing to me is mm -hmm. how well it, how, how finely you could adjust it. We also have a picnic table that we did, a round one, which I thought was, which was kind of cool and presented its own unique challenges in it yep. in creating a round mitered frame for the top. And then the other one is the Welsh stick chair that yep. uh, Dylan designed. And that one's kind of a, it's a fun project and they're really cool chairs, really comfortable. But if a lot of your woodworking is like square parts and 90 degree assemblies and stuff like that, this one's a little bit of a mind bender mm -hmm. as we discovered when we were building it. Right. Shop tested now. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But still fun because the one we built on the show, we made out of cherry, mm -hmm. which isn't super dense or heavy, but it's not pine. And it's amazing on how, how lightweight the chair is. It's just a great, great, comfortable thing. So if you're starting to see season 16, wherever you are, I would love to hear from you what you think of the projects and if you've, which ones you'd be interested in building and which ones you maybe have built already. You can f see the whole lineup for the season at woodsmithshop.com where you can check it out there. You can also download the free plans for the projects that we highlight there as well as stream it in case you don't have it on your local public television station or it's just not running yet or you missed it or whatever. So you can check it out there. We also will have it on Amazon prime video as well. If you're, if that's your, if that's your jam. So what did they ever decide about making DVDs for this season? Uh, we decided not to do the DVDs. Yeah. We've seen DVD sales that used to just kind of chug along pretty well. Mm -hmm. And then in probably the last three to five years, they just sort of fell off a cliff. Yeah. So. Yep. Seems like everybody's gone to streaming. I think the only DVD player we have is in our minivan now. So. We'd have to all pile in the minivan to watch the Woodsmith shop on DVD. Right. That's where we go to watch our, you know, past seasons, you know, the early yeah. seasons. Right. Get in the minivan. So. I think our DVD player is actually my son's Xbox. Mm. Yeah. I guess my my son has a PlayStation, so I could throw a DVD in there too. Yeah. I'll pile into his room. Right. The only problem with that is... Then to control it, you have to use the game controller. Right. And it's like 43 buttons on right. there. I don't even it's know like what I'm Z, doing. ZA, triangle, And up, then down. one of those little front ones. Yep. Up, down, up, down, left, right, <laughs> yeah. BA, start. So. Yep. 
Yeah. Blow on it before you put it in. Right. Yep. You have any projects you're working on, John? What's your what's your dis, on your design uh, oh, sketchbook? I right now I'm working on a router bit storage cabinet. So oh. it's always fun of figuring out like shop organization stuff and digging through the pile of you know router bits and router accessories we have and how to store them and get creative on that kind of thing. So yeah, it's fun. I like the I like doing shop projects because it's. You know, you get to tinker around with all the little, you know, ideas and, and you can build it out of plywood or MDF and you're not, you know, get real crazy on fancy details and stuff. So it's always yeah. fun. So I'm working on that right now. And, oh, what do I got out coming up for shop notes? I think uh, like a Coleman type tool cart. So like something with a lot of drawers and. You know, like the okay. old metal tool carts, but yeah, we'll, we'll make it out of wood and make it look like that. Paint it. That'll it be shiny. fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I got that coming up and looking ahead to starting season 17 of the Woodsmith shop here. And I think a week or two. A couple weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. So getting back into mid season form there. We had a little off season <laughs> and get back into it. Yeah. So. That'll be cool. I think we're starting with a steamer trunk. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Classic steamer trunk. So should be fun. We've done a few of those over the years in the magazine and never done them on video yet. So I think yeah. they've been really, I think they're pretty popular projects. I think we, did we have like a, a kit for one for a while? Yes. We had a kit for one for the longest time. The like, mm -hmm. it was an original, like old, old woodsmith one. Mm-hmm. And then we had, <clears throat> so we offered that. And then a few years ago on the show, we did the bride's chest, which oh, was yeah. very similar in function, kind of a blanket chest. Mm -hmm. And then this one is like full Hogwarts Express. Yep. Kind of a rounded top, um, which will be fun to, to do because it's, it looks way more intimidating than what it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too. I went to, uh, order the hardware. I was looking up the hardware list for it and I got on, I think it was, we specified like Kennedy hardware and I, you know, getting all the little parts and putting in the numbers. And then I realized, Oh, they have a Woodsmith steamer trunk package that they put together <laughs> for when, when we had it in the magazine, I was like, Oh, this is handy. I'll just order that. Yeah. Let's just do that. Yeah. So should maybe shoot them an email, let them know what we're going to yeah. be doing. So, Hey, heads up in a year from now, you might be getting some calls. Yeah. Stock up on steamer trunk parts. Right. Yeah. Because we've done that in the past where we've put stuff in the magazine or on a TV show and did not warn the the supplier or the source that we used and sold them out. And they're like, what is going on? Why are all these people <laughs> wanting this all of a sudden? So it's good to, to give them a heads up and say, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen, but if something crazy happens, right, you know why. Yeah, and it's happened enough, yeah, for us to do that because, I don't know. I mean, you want customers to be happy to be able to find the stuff that they're looking for if we mm -hmm. supply it. But on the other hand, I don't want to get, you know, a manufacturer's hopes up, you know, like, hey, we're right. showing this in the magazine, and then they stock up on it, and it's like, what the crap? 
we now yeah. have 68,000 of these that nobody bought. Great. So, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Just something might happen. Right. Or might not. Yeah, or might. <laughs> just, just be warned. Something may or may not happen. Happen. Yep. That's yep. all. Mm-hmm. There's a life lesson in there, really. Right. Just yeah, always just be ready. General. Yeah. Something might something. or might not happen. Right. Be ready or not. Yep. So, yeah. But So that's what I got going on at work at home. I feel like I'm at the point where working on some outdoor projects on the deck, trying to get ready, you know, as this, it gets colder and working in the garage, kind of bundling up for winter, getting stuff put away, get the mm -hmm. cars in the garage, just... Leaves yep. are changing. It's getting cold out. So, yeah, we had a cross country meet last night, and it was it was blustery. Mm -hmm. It was football weather for sure. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I was kind of noticing in the garage, like, what was it, April or May, where I did the get rid of one more thing each day challenge. Oh yeah, I had, yeah. A, I had a pretty clean garage at the point. It was pretty clean, organized, and then I think. Maybe a month after that, I uh, cleaned out my wife's car and like just got it totally detailed and cleaned out all the stuff she had in the trunk. And then that kind of ruined like it was back to a square one. <laughs> like all apparently everything was in in the trunk of her car because now it's just a mess. So I feel like I gotta kind of revisit that and yeah, I've been kind of trying to reorganize and get rid of more things and. So. It's the forgotten cleaning. Like everybody puts all their effort into the spring cleaning when the fall cleaning might be mm -hmm. more significant. Yep. Winter is coming. Yes. Be ready. Yep. And I don't know too, I, my, when we moved in, I put the workbench, it's kind of right by the, the back door of the garage into the house. So I feel like it's the flat surface where everything kind of gets set. Like Dropped the trans, off. yeah, the transition area between the garage and the house, everything just kind of gets put there. So hmm. I have to rethink that, that yeah. whole situation. Well, that's what I was wondering. Cause I mean, it's been about a year. Mm -hmm. So does it mean that you've kind of lived with the house long enough that you kind of start to see things that you want to do mm -hmm. in the house? Definitely. I think the first six months was kind of feeling it out because we lived in our old house for 18 years. So I had done pretty much every single thing in that house that could be done. And I knew every nook and cranny and it's like you move into a new house. And it's like, I don't even know where the circuit breakers are in this house. <laughs> I don't know how to shut off the whole house, uh, smoke detectors. So, you know, bump around night. So it's like, yes, a lot of feeling out and figuring out what needs to be done. So the summer it was more of like, okay, what needs to be done outside and, now, like finding all the little stuff inside and organiza organizations and, you know, what, what do I need to do? So, yeah, it definitely took a while to kind of get, you know, it all figured out, but I haven't torn out any walls yet. So I haven't gone that okay. far, but yeah, you know, done a lot of minor stuff and so we'll see, but definitely getting into that a little bit more. So it's exciting. Okay. Yep. Well, just having you on today is going to make a number of our listeners and viewers relieved. Mm -hmm. 
because you were absent for the last two episodes, and right. there were there were calls for yeah. investigations and right. hearings yeah. as to what exactly what what uh, went down. Yeah, it's funny because it was computer issues the day we were recording those podcasts, and I was actually in the first few minutes of uh, would have been episode Both, one. Think, yeah, right? and credit to Nate's editing, he like totally wiped me. Like you would have never known I was there. Like, yeah, just wiped my existence from the first couple minutes and cause froze up after that. So it's like, Hey, let's not mess around and just erase John and problem solved. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knew, knew the why was the wiser. So, yeah. But. Which should also remind folk never to get on Nate's bad side. Cause right. he could rub you out. Like, yep. You could just disappear. Yep. So I think the problem was we just had too many egos on at one time. So with Logan gone, <laughs> the computer can can handle just me. And yeah, so maybe that was it. Just because I do notice that my upload speed here is mm -hmm. way faster. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe Logan's cause... words per minute. He's just, you know, just too yeah. many words at one time and they can't upload them all. So, yeah. And whatever, you know, 3,200 baud modem he's got going out at his place right. that. Yep. Time to put in a new AOL disc. Yeah. So. All right. Special thanks to Shaper Tools for sponsoring the episodes this month. They make that Shaper Origin, that handheld CNC thing. You've probably seen it on the internets before. It does all kinds of stuff. Uh, we've had a few in our shop here off and on. Um, and everybody who ends up using it is kind of amazed at, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think it can really do blah, blah, blah. And it ends up handling it really well. So you can check it out, uh, go to shapertools.com and they have a offer going on right now. You can have the shaper in your shop for 30 days just to kind of mess around with it. See what it's like, kind of kick the tires, look under the hood and see whether it's going to work for your shop. So Check it out online, shapertools.com. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks about the Shop Notes podcast or Woodsmith and Popular Woodworking and now Shop Notes, uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, you could send me an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or leave a comment in the YouTube channel where you can check this out. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you again next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.